Well, I'd like to welcome you back for this uh, fourth week of our series on 2 Corinthians. Uh, we've been looking at the paradoxes of faith, which we find written in this letter that Paul wrote to the Corinthians. Um, in previous letters, he had been very strong about uh, issues in the church, um, issues of holiness, things in which the church wasn't doing well, church problems, leadership issues. Well, in this letter, the 2 Corinthians, he is uh, really bringing bringing out some things that um, seem on the surface level to be crazy or absurd, but when you investigate it further, you find truth in it. And so far we've looked at a couple different paradoxes. The first paradox we looked at was that uh, the gospel is most visible when um, hidden, most visible when hidden. And we find several different little analogies that Paul used to kind of describe things such as fragrance, um, a veil. Um, there's um, the idea of a buried seed, a hidden treasure. These things kind of come out. Um, it, it, he even talked about the unoffensive way of living, unoffensive way of living, um, and that the gospel is seen in such awesome ways in these, in these things. And then last week, uh, Don Stark talked about the fact that we are richest or most rich when giving richest when giving. Um, you would think that when you are getting rid of some of your money or getting rid of some of your uh, treasure, your efforts, your resources, that you would be getting poorer. But the fact is, is that as we invest in God's work in his kingdom and we give some of what we have and some of what we are away to his work, we find that the blessing that flows is as far exceeds that which we sent out. Well, this week we're talking about this last paradox is strongest when weak, strongest when weak. Um, there is a, 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 a couple passages here that really talk about strength. Um, and the first verse that we're going to be looking at in 2 Corinthians is in chapter 10, um, verse 3 through 6. So if you want to turn there, and what we're going to find here is that strength is buried deep inside. Um, sometimes we find strength in the most uh, un- um, obvious ways and some of the, the, the ways that we do not expect and some of the people we don't expect. Some of the circumstances bring out a strength in us that we, that we wouldn't uh, have anticipated. Um, I recall a time that my mother-in-law, Ruby, was in a situation. I've just heard the story. I wasn't there for it, but there was a time when uh, her son, Todd, was uh, got somehow trapped under a car and somehow she had the strength to lift that car up off from him. Him. Um, it was it was like a, a crazy phenomenon because she could never do that um, any other time in her life. But in that moment, she had this strength. Um, sometimes the toughest people. Um, are the smallest in stature, but they're the toughest inside. Um, I think of women compared to men really as being much tougher. Um, I, I've viewed myself when I've got a, a cold and the sniffles and how whiny I am and compare it to how tough my wife was when she was giving birth to our four children. Um, you know, women have got a, a strength that often exceeds the brawn that men have. And, um, and we find that truth and that observation to be discovered even in this letter that Paul wrote. So I'm going to read here in 2 Corinthians 10, verses 3 through 6, where it says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. 
For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God, for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments in every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. You see, we live in a very physical world, don't we? Um, A a lot of what we see uh, appears to be to us the reality of how things are. Um, We live in the flesh. We operate in the flesh, the here and the now. Um, What we see is what we get. That's kind of the way it, it seems so often. Um, We are very often judged by our outward appearance, um, the biggest or the strongest. But our spiritual strength is buried deep and often unseen recesses of our lives. Sometimes they aren't seen until until moments that um, it's necessary, until the moments when God needs to demonstrate himself strong in and through our lives. And here, Paul said that um, we don't walk according to the flesh. We don't war according to the flesh. Our weapons, our warfare are not carnal. They're not, they're not physical. They're not here and now, but rather they're mighty in God. Um, our spiritual weapons are for, and there's a few things that he said here, are for breaking strongholds. What are strongholds? Well, strongholds are sinful patterns. They're, they're the patterns, they're the things, the common things that you might struggle with. The things that you've prayed for over and over again, or the things that you um, have felt guilty about over and over and over again, and you want to uh, not uh, fall into that trap any longer, and yet you find yourself falling into them. Those are strongholds. Those are patterns, sinful patterns. And here it says that that we are equipped, we're able to be equipped, spiritually speaking, for the weapons that are going to bring down and break strongholds in our lives. They're mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. Um, we also find that this spiritual strength, something that, that is inside of our hearts, inside of our ourselves, inside of our souls, um, we also find that it's good for combating lies, the lies that we believe. Um, you and I, um, we, we often struggle with lies about ourselves, lies about who we are, lies about who we are in Christ, lies about who we are, you know, when we just do our own thing. And here it says, he said that, these weapons are for casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity. You see, you and I can really get lost in a battle that's that's largely just inside of our minds, inside of our heads, and we end up believing lies. We end up believing um, the things that the enemy wants for us to believe at our, about ourselves, and we end up falling further into some of the sinful traps. Um, We don't view ourselves as conquerors in Christ. We don't view ourselves as overcomers in Christ. We view ourselves as the, um, you know, the pathetic people that we were before Christ and and struggling in some of those um, struggles and, and strongholds that we had. We also find here that it's, that this strength within, the spiritual strength that we have that's not seen on the outside is good for bringing out holiness, obedience in our lives. It says here, it's for being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. So some of these 
trappings that we have, some of these sinful, regular behaviors that beset us and that we um, have been praying against, um, we find that the Lord wants to come in and give us strength from inside for the sake of holiness. We also find here that strength, this um, strength that is um, seen in weakness, really, um, is found in the next chapter in, in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 through 9. And this observation point here is that there's grace over deliverance. Grace over deliverance, or maybe grace instead of deliverance. Um, here's an interesting verse in, uh, in verses seven. It says, and lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. So Paul here talks about the fact that he had this thorn in the flesh. A lot of theologians have tried to wrestle with what exactly he was referring to when he talked about the thorn in the flesh. And really, it's come down to the fact that most don't really know exactly what he was talking about. Um, we don't know if he was talking about a, a sinful pattern in his life, um, something physical in nature, or what it was. However, we find here that he talks about how the Lord did not deliver him from the thorn. You see, Paul saw two ways forward when he was struggling with this thorn in the flesh. One was that the Lord could remove the thorn, that Paul could get on with life and ministry without this thorn holding him back. Um, the other option was to leave the thorn and Paul would forever be crippled and slow down in life and ministry. That's often the way you and I probably view the challenges that we struggle with in our lives. Either God's got to take it away, deliver us, heal us, completely set us free from it, or we're just going to be um, you know, slowed down, crippled, unable to be effective, unable to fulfill God's calling on our lives. But God had a third option for Paul with this thorn in his flesh, and that was to leave the thorn, but give Paul grace, but to give Paul strength, to give Paul all that he needed to um, work through and come out with uh, even, even stronger because of this thorn in his flesh. This option maximized Paul's effectiveness in ministry, effectiveness in life, probably effectiveness in maturity, probably effectiveness in terms of perspective. You see, this thorn was actually used by God. And here it says here, um, Paul didn't say that God gave him the thorn. It said that Satan gave him the thorn. However, God left the thorn. God decided to use the thorn that the enemy tried to hold Paul back with. Um, in fact, verse 9 says, Therefore, I mo most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Um, you see, Paul decided that God is leaving this thing here and he is giving me grace and I'm coming out stronger and more effective with it. Um, there's this interesting word here that he hears. If he said that the 
The power of Christ may rest upon me. That phrase, rest upon me, is a, is a very fascinating word um, in the Greek language. The Greek language is, epi, um, I don't know Greek very well, episkenu. And this word is a root word for tabernacle, the tabernacle that the Lord had set up back in the Old Testament that um, he would dwell with his people, the nation of Israel, as they're moving out of Egypt and into the promised land. And this tabernacle was established for the presence of God. And this, this tabernacle, this tent that would move around was set up with very specific, you know, specifications. And um, here the presence of God would rest with the people. Moses was able to go and have conversations with God there. And here we find Paul talking about that the power of Christ would rest upon him in the midst of this thorn in his fret, uh, flesh. And see, you and I, as we go through our struggles and as we turn and look to him, I believe this is a promise for you and for me too, that just in the same way that the Holy Spirit, that the, the presence of God dwelt within the tabernacle, making himself available and present for the nation of Israel, you and I have that same promise that when we're going through these struggles, the presence of God, the presence of Christ will rest upon us, giving us the strength and the power to walk through that challenge and that difficulty. Um, he gives us grace in our challenges and our difficulties, not necessarily deliverance. Now, there is time for deliverance. There's time for healing. Oftentimes that healing feels delayed and probably for this exact same situation so that you would indeed experience the presence of God giving you grace through the challenging moments that you're in. This is strength coming out of this thorn in the flesh kind of moment, kind of situation. And I'm sure that you probably could identify a few of your own thorns in the flesh that you really want to have deliverance from. And I want to encourage you to rather seek out the grace for today in them. And he ends this passage of scripture with this thought, this idea of taking pleasure in the difficulties, taking pleasure in the challenges, in the difficulties, in the thorns, in the flesh. Um, verse 10 reads this way, and this I'm going to read out of the King James Version. It says here, for the sake of Christ, then I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. For when I am weak, then I am strong. So Paul comes to this triumphant conclusion, and really this is probably the high point verse of the entire letter of 2 Corinthians, when he declares, um, when I am weak, then I am strong. And he, he has this list of, of these different, five different things he mentions here. It's, it's kind of a list that he is content in. And probably all five of these things are words that you would really struggle to be content in if you were or as you go through them. And each of these five words, actually, I'm going I'm to kind of give you the Greek word for each of these. And what we find is each of these five words progress in intensity. So when Paul's giving this list, first he mentions weaknesses. And that Greek word is asthenai. 
And, and this means the general or sur the summarizing category denoting all fallen human incapacities. Um, so basically weaknesses, things that, that you feel is a struggle or, or something you've got a, a deficiency in. Um, this is um, something that all of us have. Every single one of us have weaknesses. We all have strengths, aspects of things that we're strong or better in, but we've also got weaknesses. And here he says, I am content in my weaknesses. Then he goes on to the next category, which is a little bit more intense because um, we've all faced these before. And he says insults. And the, the Greek word here is hybris. And this is the mistreatment by others whether in words or actions. And certainly all of us have dealt with insults or uh, mistreatment by others. And when we're going through that, it can be very painful, especially if the people that are mistreating us are close to us, family members, spouse, parents, siblings, people that are close to us um, can really cause a lot of hurt inside when we're going through them. And here Paul says, I'm content even in insults. Um, the third thing he says here, getting a little bit even stronger, is hardships. And this is the word anakai. And uh, the, this, is the this is their experiences that squeeze people, forcing them to uncomfortable limits. Um, have you ever been pushed to the limit? I'm about on the edge, um, you might say. Um, you, you're just so frustrated in a particular moment and circumstances, you feel a little bit uh, trapped. You feel like you're on the very edge. Uh, you're at an uncomfortable limit of what you think that you can handle. Hardships. And here Paul says, even in hardships, he's content. The next category, he says, persecutions. Um, the Greek word here is digmai, and this is the aff afflictions at the hands of hostile enemies. Wow. Now, probably a lot of us would maybe struggle to find those moments when we felt persecuted, persecutions, afflictions at the hands of hostile enemies. Uh, maybe some of us who have been, you know, in military action, uh, maybe some of us who have been in some real knockout, drag out battles with somebody. Um, but most of us probably have struggled to find too many moments where we could say, well, that was a persecution. Well, Paul did have his level of persecutions. Um, I, I can read in the scriptures when he was uh, stoned and drug out of the city and left for dead. Um, he was whipped and flogged. I mean, he went through serious persecutions. And here he says, even in that, I'm content. And then the, the fifth word here is calamities. Calamities. Um, this word I'm really going to struggle with, this Greek word, stenochori. And this, this definition is truly overwhelming experiences, devastating circumstances, devastating circumstances. Now, maybe you've had a few of these before, devastating circumstances, um, lost everything, had a financial collapse, um, had members of the family die. Um, you might have had some of these calamities that have hit you. Um, and even here, you know, I think of Paul being shipwrecked um, when he was in the, toward the end of the book of Acts. We find his entire description of a whole entire year of being a prisoner and getting shipwrecked and all hope was lost. I think that was even in the scriptures when all hope had been lost. Um, it was a calamity. And Paul says, even in that, I find contentment. Now, why can Paul find contentment in weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and even calamities? Well, it's in these weaknesses, it's in these moments that we are emptied of ourselves. 
When, when we realize that our strength, our power, and our authority is depleted, gone, and insufficient for the situation, it's, we are empty of ourselves. Well, when we are empty of ourselves, we've got only one place to turn, and that is to become fully reliant on God. And that's the exact place that God wants for us to be. It's fully reliant upon Him. We recognize that the, the, for, for the first time, maybe, that the, the reality and the truth is, is that God sustains us every single second of every day. He is the one that gives the breath every single moment. He's the one that keeps that heart beating. He is the one that has provided for all of our food. He's the one that supplies the air and the oxygen that we need. All of this stuff is, is God. And so when we go through these weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, even calamities, these are moments that bring us to the realization of what's actually going on all the time. God is completely sustaining us and we become fully reliant on him. Anytime that we are not reliant on God, that we feel like we are producing something or we are taking care of ourselves, we are misguided because every single moment of sustenance and moments of life is because of God doing it for you. And so we become stronger in our weakest moments because we finally become reliant on Him. We become tapped in to the almighty power of God when we deplete ourselves, when we ourselves are depleted, emptied out. Um, God gets the credit. God gets the credit and we are tapped in officially to the power of God. I, I, I like this image. I don't know if I can help you paint it, but I want you to think about two oxens plowing out in the field. And I want you now, you know, you've got these, this, this long, I don't know, what do you call that, Steve? This, that long yoke that goes across the two, uh, you know, oxen and they're, they're hooked up together and they're plowing through the field and they're, you know, they're each relying on the other one at different times and the other one takes kind of the lead and hard charge and everything to get through the field. Well, I want you to now to take one of those oxen away and you're left with one oxen and I want you to put a kitty cat up there in the other piece of that yoke. That cat's not going to do anything, is it? A cat compared to an ox, there's no power. There's, there's no comparison as to who's doing the work here. Well, that's the picture of you and me when we're tapped into the power of God. You and I are like that little kitty cat, basically hanging on for dear life to the yoke, while the a big oxen, God, is taking care of business, carrying you through. And you see, that is really the, the reality of what's going on every single day, but we've got this misconception that we are producing something, that we are doing something. We need to realize that we are the strongest at the weakest points of our lives. And when we confess our complete need and dependence of God, that's when we tap into the genuine strength that there is. Um, for ministry, for life, for holiness, for marriage, for raising our kids, for being great grandparents, whatever it is that's on your mission, for being a great employee or a great employer, all of this stuff, we need to come to complete and total dependency on God. And when you're frustrated and in those moments of desperation and you are depleted of, of ideas and resources, that's your moment. That's the moment when you get yoked up and you realize that you're yoked up to this gigantic ox and you're hanging on for dear life. Strongest when weak. Oh Lord, I don't know the weakness that each one is feeling right now, Lord. But Lord, I praise God for those weaknesses. Lord, I delight in the fact, Lord, that we are experiencing weaknesses, Lord, bringing us to the reality 
that we need and we are yoked up to God Almighty. Lord, I pray that um, in the in the calamities, in the difficulties, in the persecutions, in the insults, in the weaknesses, whatever each one's going through right now, Lord, that each one would be turning to you and see, oh Lord, that they have this opportunity to recognize their uh, need to be yoked up with you, Lord. God, you're make yourself available to us. You are the creator of all things and the sustainer of all things, and we put our hope and our trust in you. And Lord, whether you choose to heal and deliver from our circumstances or whether you choose to give grace and just walk with us, oh Lord, we want no one thing is that you're God who never leaves us nor forsakes us. Lord, you don't leave us there just struggling with a thorn in our flesh with no sustenance and no help, but Lord, you come, you come through each and every moment, and we thank you for it. Lord, I just bless your church today. In Jesus' name, amen.